good people i know most of you guys out there are thinking they were on a hiatus kind of sort of everybody needs a vacation listen when you're sitting in a pandemic and you're sitting around your house and every day seems like a tuesday there is no such thing as a hiatus there is no such thing as a hiatus look i got a question for you guys i've been coming to you with questions after questions after questions so today's question is what do you hear when you hear the word reflection. Mirror, the throwing back by body or surface of light, heat or sound with absorbing, without absorbing it. The reflection of light. So what I hear is the serious thoughts or consideration. Reflection is a mental process. Unlike a reflection in the mirror, it is an interpretation of what is going on between learning and thinking. But two of my favorite quotes are about reflection. The first is, self-reflection entails asking yourself questions about your values, assessing your strengths and failures, thinking about your perception and interactions with others, and imagining where you want to take your life in the future. The second quote is, life on it a reflection of what we allow. Life is only a reflection of what we are allowed, we allow ourselves to see. Those are kind of tongue twisters, but not so much. Think about that and reflect your life and your purpose. I'm gonna take the mood a little bit and say, this show is dedicated to my stepdad of over 40 years who recently passed away from the horrible disease called dementia. I say thank you for teaching me and guiding me and most of all, opening my mind and always telling me that time spent in self-reflection is never wasted. It is an intimate date with yourself. Hmm, intimate date with yourself. Okay, I'm gonna leave that part alone. So if you don't know, you have tuned into another exciting episode of Talk to Talk with Mo Orr. Look, I'm excited, Tony's excited, Scott is excited, and 417 is excited. Look, we have so much to talk about today and so many topics to cover. So before we get started, this will be the perfect time to tell everyone that is not watching or listening to the show to go watch the show and listen to my damn podcast and take a drink. Look, I get these questions time and time again. Where can I watch the show, Mo? You can watch this show on Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV. Just search the high school narrative or you can go on our app to www.thsn.app. Watch, submit, and share. So go download the app. You could also listen to this show on Apple and Google Podcasts, Anchor Breaker, and Spotify. Also, please visit our team store at thsn.store to get your top athletic gear. We've had so many people reaching out, social media and all these other platforms asking, Mo, well, how can we support the show? So I'll tell you, we have developed a Patreon page. Just go to www.patreon.com backslash Mo or all one word, and please give us your feedback. You get to see all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. Look, we got a, a guest today, Macy. All the stuff she was saying before the show might be on the Patreon page. I'm just saying. <laughs> Look, we have a great show lined up for you today and a very special guest waiting in the wings and anxious to get started. But first, this show is brought to you by the Jerky Zone. When you're looking for that high protein pack snack to get you back on track, the next stop is the Jerky Zone. And intro wheels, where custom rims make your classic cars come to life. And lastly, of Bandit Capital Management, where the plus in the logo signifies above and beyond commitment to adding value to investments by providing A-plus impact to the world we touch. Hard to see your reflection in moving water. 
So let's get to it. Today's topic is reflecting on your past and choosing the best outcome for you. My guest today is the program director for 417 Recovery Adolescent Outpatient Treatment Center located in Mission Viejo, California. Please welcome our friend Scott Callett back to the show and an alumni from 417 Recovery in Mission Viejo. Please welcome Macy D. I only say Macy D because it sounds so superstarish. And lastly, the wart of the show. Sometimes they come out from behind the fungus and all that good stuff. That's my guy. Uh, please welcome to the show, Tony Rosignol, CTO of the High School Narrative. What's going on, Tony? Mo, 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 welcome back. Welcome back. I love the new lid, Mo. Looking good, baby. Hey, I'm hanging man. low here. I got a, I got a bad case of leprosy this morning, and I, and I decided to stay. <laughs> I'm gonna stay in the background. <laughs> you stay in the background. Listen, for those of you who are looking to support the show, these lids and a couple other lids and some shirts and stuff like that. If you are uh, giving to the show at Patreon.com, you'll get a lid, and I love it. This is my trucker hat. My girl's from Wyoming, and uh, I guess they do trucker stuff in Wyoming, so I don't know. So, look, let me, let, I'm gonna get this stuff out the way just so everybody know. We have partnered with 417 Recovery with the hopes of reaching adolescents, teens, and their families all over the world with the hopes of being able to help them and their families with everything from addiction, recovery, anxiety, depression, vaping, um, um, crazy, Y'all help with crazy, right, Scott? I think y'all help with crazy. <laughs> and anything that might give them a pathway to be successful. So um, I want to get that out the way. Macy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm over here kicking it. I see you over there chilling. You know, <laughs> I saw you drinking apple juice, and that was that was good. I got my apple juice right here as well. So we'd be having toast. <laughs> Man, how's everybody been? Scott? The last time I spoke to you, you kind of uh, chapped my hide because I went to 417 Recovery in, in, in Palm Desert. And um, it, look, man, you shouldn't have been mad at me. I should have been mad at you for opening one in Palm Desert. It's 125 degrees in Palm Desert, California. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how did you like it out there? I'm home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look, I think Palm Desert might even be worse than Arizona. I was in Arizona over the week and, and my God, I don't Tony's favorite line is, oh, it's a dry heat. Man, let me tell you something. Hot is hot. I don't care if it's dry, wet, whatever. It's, it, it's hot. Um, hey, hey, Stevie, we know you're not here. Every time that you're not on the show, we want to make sure that we give you a shout out. Just so you know, you're probably sleeping at the office. I saw the rooms out there. They're pretty, look pretty comfortable out there. Macy, how are you today? I'm pretty good. Good. How you, how you holding up in, the, in this uh, pandemic? I'm back to work, so much better. Back to work, back to work. No specifics, but what do you do? <laughs> Brain <laughs> surgery? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the corner. Macy <laughs> <laughs> is a brain surgeon, just so you know, because I've always told people that you can be anything you want to be. If she wants to be a brain surgeon today, she can be a brain surgeon today. Mm -hmm. um, look, you're, you're here today because you're going to be able to, uh, and don't let me persuade you because at some point at the, towards the end of the show, I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to start off the question and it's, I'm here because, and you'll be able to finish it. So don't let me tell you why you're here. But today, right now, speaking with Mo, Tony and Scott, you're here because I think that uh, we want to try and help somebody, whether it's one person, two people, whatever it is. So it is very important that you just understand that. Uh, and I don't know much about you, you know, usually I might get some background. Um, Scott told me a couple things, but I really like it to be so generic for me that, um, and organic. And sometimes I get people on the show and I go, I'm sorry, what happened? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's what we want for our, that's what we want for our, our listeners. We want our listeners to be able to um, get the just of, of things that you went through and that you might be able to help them through. So I do know that you you came on for, um, that you you went to 417 Recovery for some behavioral issues. Am I correct? Yes, sir. 
How, how long ago? How long? Oh, my name is Mo because my dad is in Detroit, so I don't go by Sir often. Just see, so you, know. <laughs> you might be a call Tony Sir, but he might not respond either. Uh, how long ago did, were you at four seventeen, or are you still there? Um, so the first time I went, I was Scott, like sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Sixteen. Second time, probably seventeen, almost eighteen ish. And you're how old now? I'm 21. So was there a third time there, Macy? Mm -hmm. Twice. <laughs> you say no, but Cody says yes. He might be sending you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's kind of talk about it. Let's talk. Let's start from the beginning. Um, when you say, when people say behavioral issues, first off, did you tell go, walk into your parents' room and go, "You need to take me to 417 Recovery today." It's a place where they can get me some help. Is that how it kind of sounded when you first started? No, not at all. Like okay. um, I was very reluctant. I actually went to Center for Discovery first in Long Beach for more mm -hmm. mental illness. But um, they just kind of label, you know, you got to be labeled to go somewhere, I feel like. Um, but it kind of all started when I was a kid. Like every kind of end of school year, even to like fourth grade, I remember getting in trouble. Like I would, like fourth grade is what I remember. Um, it was yearbooks, right? And everyone was signing yearbooks and me and this girl were just like circling and would be like, cute or ew, you know what I mean? And of course I got in trouble. Uh, but ever since then, I kinda, you know, seventh grade, I got suspended. Um, Forget what you suspended for in seventh grade. I smoked marijuana. Smoked marijuana in seventh grade. Got suspended. So I'm assuming you were on on campus at the time. It was before school. So. So like seven in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to go back to sleep early, boy. She was like, I just got up. Now I'm going to do this. Time. So it was pretty, you know, I was really upset. And then I got in trouble the first time. So but so how, how how old were you at that time? You said 14, 15? Seventh grade, I think, is like 12. How were you introduced at a, as a 12-year-old to marijuana? Friends. And I'm assuming they were in the same age. Sometimes... Uh, People that are 12 years old hang out with people that's a little older or so how did how did that happen? Um, yeah, unfortunately I always kinda had like one best friend like growing up, you know, and then one of my best friends she moved to uh Corona and then she came back and it's kinda different, you know, doing drugs and stuff, and then we kind of just linked up with other people. And um, yeah, I slept over at my girlfriend's house. And then that morning she's like, oh, let's do this. And I was like, oh, okay, shit, let's do it. So and did you think, did you think when they, when she introduced you to it and you're not really knowing what it is, did you ever think, man, this could probably harm me or no. anything like that? Mm -mm. No, I just... didn't even get high. <laughs> I took like a baby puff. I remember that it was like, <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if that's appropriate, but yeah. Oh, it's appropriate. <laughs> it, I don't even know. All I remember is doing, you know, my eyeliner really thick that morning because I knew we we're, you know, we we're going to go hang out with some guys before school. And I look like a clown, the usual seventh grade. <laughs> but yeah, so like every year I would get in trouble at like the very end. Like it was so weird. Like I couldn't even help it. To be honest, well, look. So when back, you were writing in, the, so when you were writing in the yearbook, was that your yearbook you were circling pictures and putting cute, or was it somebody else's yearbook? It was my yearbook, but they have no tolerance for that, apparently. Uh -huh. Okay, okay. So, uh, how accessible? So after that first time that you decided to try marijuana, mm -hmm. how much more frequently did you use? And the second part to that question is is how was it so accessible to you at, um, in, at 12 or 13 years old? Yeah, so after that I got suspended and I got sent to, um, it's not a continuation school and I'm still not quite sure what it was, but it was like 
to get credit for that year, you gotta go. And like, yeah. you're in like this, I don't know, it's pretty vague to me, to be honest. But um, I did that. And then I remember that summer, cause it was at the end of the year again, you know? Yeah. Um, just watching TV literally all summer. I was on like house arrest, but my best friend, who I also got in trouble with, she lived down the street. So, you know, we would just walk, meet up and stuff. And I was very like, not gullible. I don't know what the word is like, kind of like persuasive-ish, you know, like I would, whatever people would tell me, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like. Very easily influenced. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so like we would take walks and she had a pretty horrible like life, like with family issues and stuff. So um, she'd tell me about like self-harm and how she did that. So then I was like, oh, me and my mom got in a fight. Why don't I do that? You know what I mean? And um, then it turned into a thing. But um, yeah, what was your second question? Sorry. My second question is, it's okay. My second question was, since you being 14, 15 years old, how were you able to get marijuana or drugs? How, how accessible was it for you? Got it. So then, okay, there we go. Now I remember my story. So after that, I was um, kind of on house arrest, right? Do the little walks and stuff. But then after that, it was eighth grade and... Um, We'd all just hang out, you know, I got my freedoms back and stuff, and I would, like, my friends were pretty bad at the time. In seventh grade, I, I tried marijuana for the first time, but they were doing meth, unfortunately. Um, they turned out pretty whack. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and then after that, in high school, I would always, you know, hang out with older people and... Um, date older guys and who are just bad news who introduced me to other things and that stuff so you said something you kind of brushed it under the rug twice and i can't die nah, you know i got to ask you something so you said something about house arrest uh-huh so so what did you do to get put on house arrest and and no particulars i'm just saying like oh. so you, Sorry, I didn't mean it like jail. I meant like, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> oh, you mean you didn't mean it like quarantine? <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, yeah, no, I just wasn't allowed to leave the house. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that, well, that's that's good. You know, mom better. put you on house arrest. Yeah, that's better because I I heard you say I was on house arrest, but I was able to go for walks. I'm like, what court did she go to? That's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> like that's pretty good. So, so of course, being easily influenced and them introducing you to to drugs and and other things, um, you felt. When did your parents start to see a change in you? Did you ever notice a change? Um, now, now looking back on it, you know. Yeah. Um, when did your parents start to see a change? How did they address it? And and where did it go from there? Well, so when I was on house arrest, I was <laughs> solid, you know, I did really good. I went back, it was, um, let's jump a little bit, freshman year, um, I got a 4.0, I was just like a weird kid, you know, like me and my girlfriend would like play footsies in class, you know, just normal little kid stuff, freshman year, I guess. Um, and then sophomore years where um, everything tanked. So I made varsity soccer freshman year. I was always playing soccer, you know, and then sophomore year, I couldn't, you know, it was hard for me to play soccer because I had to get my GPA up. So that's where everything kind of went downhill and I got sent to CFD and uh, yeah, Center for Discovery. And then after that, I did um, 417 for outpatient. So when your parents came to you and, and started to talk to you about being introduced to 417, um, what was your response? How did you react? 
Well, so I was in uh, inpatient for 30 days prior to it. So I was like, whatever, get me the hell out of here. You know, I'll go wherever you want me to. I didn't know what 417 was, but I was just happy to get home, to be honest. All right. So you, you were almost easily persuaded to go to 417. So let's talk about once you got there and you started to go through the program. Um, first thought from you after going the first day? Ooh, that's a long time ago. <laughs> um, I'm, I can't remember how I was feeling at the time, but I can speculate that I wasn't very happy. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> who was the, so who was the first person you were introduced to? Was it Scott? Yeah, I, Scott, right? Oh yeah. 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 Scott, what, what was that? What was that? And I know you might not remember the exact first day, but what was that introduction to uh, Macy like in the beginning? Um, I actually, we we joke about it pretty often, um, Tiffany and I, because Tiffany was there, and she we laughed honestly at Macy because <laughs> you can see like you know a fifteen year old girl, sixteen year old girl who thinks she's in charge and. It's kind of like barking orders at her mom and um, you know, mom is kind of rolling her eyes and just like almost embarrassed of her in that yeah. sense of being like, yeah. wow, she's she's acting crazy. And um, we laugh because we obviously have seen it before. Um, and really it's like the, once we got to know Macy, we like loved her. Um, but that like hard exterior shell was pretty thick and uh it took a minute to get through but um i think that like we treat it like everybody else like you know what when they walk in the door we know that they're not coming in because everything's going great and she had some issues she needed to deal with and we needed to address and all we want to do is like get to know who she was to find a way to help her I, so I, I could tell you from experience now of, of being able to have these shows, which I am so grateful for to be able to, to sit down with you and, and, and your team and then the uh, gracious alumni that comes onto the show. How is it for you guys when, so Macy's on the show, me and Tony's, we're going through the process of the show and then we start to hear their story and then we go to each other and go, there's no way that that person that we just looked at right there, she seems so nice, did all of that. Yeah. How was it for you guys when, when they walk in? I mean, because you have to look past that. And it's hard for me and Tony and Mary to do that sometime, but you have to look past that. What is it like for you guys? Well, I think we, like, for us, we understand that, um, like, at some point, you know, like, Macy, and from the parents' perspective, like she was a baby and she was a little kid and like something had happened or something was triggered or she didn't, she wasn't born with this attitude that she walked in with. And that like, for us, it was like, we always just want to get to know that person and find out like, why are you acting this way? Um, and, you know, we just kind of ignore it, luckily like we've seen it before and we've seen it so many times and more often than not the ones that come in with the what you would say is like a tougher case um or somebody that's seemingly like so far beyond that you're like man i don't know if we can i don't know if we can help this person those are generally the kids that do the best um because those are generally the kids that like had some significant issue or had some kind of like pain in their life that caused them to put up this wall um and you know really like our job is just to find out what that is and break that wall down and get to know who they really are and they're all like such great kids um and then you know there's particular ones that stick out and you know that macy's one of them it's like for us like she's gonna be um around forever whether you know it's the relationship changes over time and evolves but she's family now she's talking yeah about so um 
Hey, see, I'm, I'm going to ask, and, and Scott said, you know, that sometimes when they see someone, especially that looks like you, very pretty, so meek, and there's a pain that they probably went through. So I'm going to ask you, for you, did you identify that pain? Did you know about this pain before you got there? And, and all in all, what was that pain for you? Um, well, I mean, I'm from Orange County. It wasn't like a huge, you know, a lot of people are dealt worse cards, 100%. Um, I feel like I was born a little bit different. I always kind of had this thing with authority that got me in trouble, you know, not liking authority. Um, me and my dad were best friends and then he started having to go to work, you know, so he'd be gone for like seven months and that was really tough for me. That was kind of like when I started going downhill, he left like the end of freshman year. Um, other than that, I just, I got myself into situations that were hard for me that I've dealt with after the fact, you know, um, Sorry, I just got a text. <laughs> it's, a, it's okay. That's that's we're on the show. It's okay. It happens all the time. <laughs> I turned off the volume, I swear. Um, <laughs> well, there goes my train of thought. But um, yeah, it doesn't it's for other people it's not bad at all, but really my dad was my best friend and him leaving, you know. My best memories were when I was a kid and we'd go lobster fishing, you know, get ice cream late at night and stuff like that. So him leaving was pretty tough. My mom's a great person. I love her to death. And she really got me out of the hole that I was in. But I hated the shit out of her. Sorry. <laughs> so long. Like, we were just, like, button heads. Honestly, until, like... What? ish you know but without her I probably would have been you know way worse off so I'm really grateful for her and also thank you Scott I love you you're my family too and my with my dad leaving Scott really I feel like kind of stepped in that role for me when I was a kid you know we would go to spin class or he would take us all to um you know concerts and stuff it just it kind of supplemented the missing aspect of my life, I feel like. Oh, so Scott took you to the Beatles concert? I said, now you had to go listen to Depeche Mode with Scott. <laughs> what, a kiss? <laughs> uh, so, so what did your dad do to be gone for seven months? Like, what, what was his job? Oil fields? Uh, no, he's a liquidator consultant whatever so he goes to the stores that are closing down and um he closes them down so it's probably like a four-month process three four ish but yeah he would get jobs continuously so at one point he, i didn't see him for like a year you know yeah you know you, you know what's funny is that you look at the relationships between mothers and daughters and in the beginning they're phenomenal Right, because the moms are the nurturers of, of those relationships. And it's hard to pull Macy away from mom as a kid. And then Macy starts to get older and starts to come into her own, like, you're not gonna tell me what to do, how you know? And dad, of course, is that's where daddy little, daddy's little girls come in to play where the dad is there to try to now men between mom and daughter and so they, Form this bond uh, with the daughter, and of course, then <laughs> it becomes where those relationships kind of break down for whatever reason, and the kid becomes solo and starts to uh, uh, seek other friendships, whether it's older um, gentlemen or older uh, female friends. And I can tell you right now that I'm not a therapist; I just uh, have kids. And things <laughs> called daughters. Just so you know, look, Macy, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. Um, we're gonna continue to come back and, and speak to Macy and Scott from Four Seventeen Recovery. Um, also, I like to give out the information so that if anyone out there needs to uh, reach out to Scott, you can uh, call eight five five four one seven two four one seven. 
Also, you can reach them at 417recovery.com. If you're in the um, Palm Desert area, 417recoverypalmdesert.com at 844-417-3417. Look, this is is awesome. I I really want to hear more about you uh, feeling empowered, being empowered, entitled, and um, they don't know, but I do know that you had a self-destruction plan coming on. So don't go anywhere. More with Macy and Scott right after this. Hi, I'm Stevie Kuhn from 417 Recovery. 417 Recovery is located in Palm Desert and Mission Viejo in Southern California. We are a comprehensive, clinically-based intensive outpatient program for adolescents struggling with mental health and substance use issues. Did you know that 50% of teens have misused a drug at least once in their lifetime? There are roughly 10 million people between the ages of 12 and 29 that are in need of substance abuse treatment. Among our youth, the top three substances are alcohol, marijuana, and vaping products. Possible indicators include problems at school, physical health, neglected appearance, changes in behavior, isolation, and money issues. Reach out today for more information about how we can help you and your loved ones. still hanging out listening looking and watching look we're still here with macy from 417 uh recovery uh out of the mission viejo um clinic and of course our program director scott callett from 417 recovery and also sitting in the background back there is my favorite casper the friendly ghost tony rosignol still hanging out um still still hanging out with me hey during the break and i know and you probably see it on patreon and stuff like that but Tiffany came by and said hi. So that was awesome. That was a pleasant surprise that Tiffany stopped by. Um, oh, Dwayne, <laughs> if you're out there, buddy, we got something coming for you, boy, because I just found out somebody probably hated you just as much as I do. It's great. I can't wait to get to that portion of the show. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, won't be editing that part out because uh, Dwayne's going to want to hear it. Look, we talked about it. Oh, my fault. Let me get 417recovery.com, 855-417-2417. That is, of course, our Mission Viejo location. And, of course, 417recoverypalmdesert.com, 844-417-3417. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone. You're on your damn phone all the time, any damn way. So sometimes it might just be okay to hit those numbers. And guess what? He might not tell you, she might not tell you, but I'm going to tell you it's toll-free. Unless you call the local number. I just gave you the 800 number, so boom, there you have it. Hey, uh, Macy, mm-hmm. so during the break, we were kind of talking about um, some stuff we wanted to talk about. I talked about what is your self-destruction plan. You may not thought you, had, you, you may not think that you had a plan, but you had a plan. Um, and then my favorite stuff to talk about when it comes to 417 recovery is family therapy family therapy you learn you learn so much about your parents doing family therapy and so do i just so you know so um you said something in the first segment and you talked about mental illness you said that you were uh in an inpatient uh facility for 30 days why did you have to go to that inpatient facility for 30 days my mom um said that she couldn't handle me anymore and I also was kind of going down, so she didn't really know what else to do. What was the first week like for you in, in, was, a, in that? It was really scary. Um, I have, I think, pretty bad anxiety. I don't know what the scale is, but um, I get kind of tunnel vision when it happens, and I just remember sitting down, freaking tunnel vision, a lot like just on the table just one spot um but it ended up being okay it was scary um 
but I have a lot of memories from it and I still stay in contact with the girls that were there. Um, I found a therapist that I liked. He was okay, but he was new. So um, he messed up a little bit. I messed up a little bit, you know, but we still, we were good. Did you like him because you thought you could overrun him and overpower him with your intellect because he was new? <laughs> or just my body. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes you think, oh, how long you been here? Two days. <laughs> Manipulation in its finest right now. I think I got him, right? So then you go to four, you go to four, the one seven, right? You go to 417 recovery and uh, you start to go through this program. You said something that we talked about Dwayne. Of course, I'm just joking because I love Dwayne because he, Dwayne kind of hood. I'm gonna let y'all know that right now. That's why I like Dwayne. Uh, he's a hood hippie, just so you know. Um, so kind of talk to me about that relationship and and how it formed and and you guys kind of butted head and clashed in the beginning. So talk to me about that. Yeah, I feel like we're both very big people in a room. Um, and he dealt with me the same in the beginning the same way that he dealt with other people. And one time I'm just we're kind of like fighting, you know, back and forth in a big group, right? And I'm just like, I'm not talking to you. Like you need deal with me some other type of way, you know? And he sits back and he's like, okay, you know, and then after that we just became really tight and with family therapy, um, he was the only therapist that would actually confront my family as well, I feel like. Because family therapy, it's easy to just take what the parents say because they're older, you know, and you're a child. And I feel like Dwayne really kind of just sat back, listened to both sides, you know, and saw where everyone could work on. And he wasn't afraid to tell you you're wrong, you know, and that made me feel like I was hurt. So that helped a lot as well. So when it came to the family therapy part, because a lot of times when I talk to alumni and I start to ask this question, and it usually sounds something like this, what was your favorite part of going through the program? Hmm. So I'm gonna ask you that question and you tell me what your answer is. Of all of like the whole 417 program? Uh-huh. Um, so I feel like this isn't really therapy wise or like whatever, but um, my favorite part was the relationships that I established with the staff. I feel like, like I'm still in contact with, you know, the people I was with as well, the other patients, but you know, I feel like I just have this bond with, you know, Scott, Tiffany, Dwayne, whatever. We cannot talk for like a year, but then go get lunch another day, you know? It feels like I have a separate family and kind of like a support system still there, you know? They don't just kind of kick you out after, like I felt like at other programs. And I'll tell you, Macy, and I don't want you to, I don't want you to downplay this at, at all because you are special. But <laughs> every time I ask somebody that question, that is probably one of the most common answers really between yes they talk about the relationships that they've built with <laughs> no no they talk about that and they talk about the family therapy part you, you, you want me to ask you again sorry what? i can ask you again and you, you can give a different answer and i'll tell you that both of these answers are going to be on the show <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> we're not. We're not going to edit it out because now I want to hear it. So you had two. You had two favorite things that was going on throughout the course of. Okay, what was the second thing? Kicking everyone's asses, boom. That's what I <laughs> yeah, I and did there, that on here. <laughs> oh, that'll be on there too. Just so you know, <laughs> um, that's crazy. Um, so during the break, we also talked about, uh, Tony brought up asking about self-harm and you kind of showed us, um, the cuts kind of talked to me about that process. What, what were you thinking as a, a young kid that was doing this and, and what benefit you got from it? 
Um, so thinking back, honestly, like it's kind of frustrates me because I can't think of a good reason. Like I really can't like the first time. Um, I just thought, oh, my friends are doing it, so I should do it, which is kind of frustrates me in the long haul because I have these for the rest of my life, you know? Um, but yeah, I just remember sitting on the grass with my girlfriend and she was showing me and I was like, oh, cool. So then the next fight I got in with my mom, I did that and um, it hurt. <laughs> it hurt like a bitch. Um, and then, um, so I was doing the, I a, like little ones that don't really um, like show up anymore, only in the sunlight. And then I, um, I took off like the razor head of it and I was like, okay, like that gives me more of a thing. And I did one and I didn't actually mean to do as deep as I did. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, there's one period where it was, um, it wasn't bleeding. It was just kind of like skin, like deep. Mm. Blood hasn't come in, if that makes sense. I was just looking, yeah. it kind of felt, you know, like, huh. And then it was just like blood <laughs> and stuff. And I was just like, oh my God, what did I just do? Like, oh, <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't, it's frustrating looking back now because I make up a thousand stories when people, you know, my work uniform is short sleeves. So they're like, oh, how'd you get that? And my go-to story is, uh, oh, I was really drunk at a party and, um, you know, on the fireplace, the like wood thingy that you moved around the wood, the wood stick mm -hmm. that I fell on that. And it, it kind of sucks having to say that all the time, to be honest, but living your life. You never thought that you would have to be able to say anything like that when it came to that. So yeah. that's, that's, that's interesting. And I, what I'm glad you said is that it's frustrating because you have no idea why. So the reason of doing it means absolutely nothing in those moments because you don't do it um, deep enough to try and kill yourself, but it's the attention that it creates. And that's what I'm assuming it's from. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott. Um, you know, you guys probably have some medical term for it, but uh, I, I just thought it was attention. Mm. Okay. I feel like it varies um, for people. Yeah. You know? Yeah, okay. Sometimes you get, like, a release, I feel like. Sometimes, you know, you see it, and you're like, oh, relaxation. The blood, you know? I feel like it varies a lot with other people. And I really, I can't even... I feel like mine was, like, a relaxation, but also just trying to be fit in with people and... I don't know. Yeah. I know. You know? I know. You're, you're going to think about that the rest of the time, but I don't want to fit in with those people. I don't, I'm don't. i good on that one. I'll be like, okay, y'all go. That's like them jumping off a building. I'll be like, I'll catch up with y'all in a little bit. Yeah, at the I'd bottom. Be I'll be at the bottom. I'm going to go ahead and take those stairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you doing that and you did that. You said that your relationship was very close with your dad. Um, so what did, what did you tell your dad when it came to something like that? I feel, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like an Orange County thing, just to sweep things under the rug. And um, one time my older sister did see it and, you know, she's like, oh my God, what is that? Tells my mom and my dad and they're just like, what? Like, let me see, let me see. I'm like, oh, that's really old. I you know what I mean but obviously there's like three lines I'm cutting myself you know what I mean and it swept under the rug which is fine you know people deal with things differently um, but I feel like it's a really Orange County thing to do even you know now it's unfortunate because some kids really do need help and we've been socialized here in our little bubble to just kind of downplay it and um yeah downplay it um, so what would you tell a kid that is and going to the seventh grade or eighth grade 
that might be having some of the same difficulties as you thought, right? You were going through in um, at that age. What would, what would you tell somebody or a kid that might be going through what you were going through? This might be a little controversial, but unfortunately, seventh and eighth graders, their brains aren't fully developed and they can't really think for themselves, I think. I mean, I'm very big and I make my own decisions now, but then I was so impressionable. Sorry. Mm, I was yes, I like that. Yes, impressionable. Yeah. Impressionable. You know what I mean? So it really yeah. does land on the parents unfortunately even though you know you feel like you're so big in that time and you can make your own decisions but you're not you're not able to do that and my mom really did make the good decisions um even though it took me a little longer to understand that um you know i should have switched schools earlier you know what she was gonna do you know it it really is on the parents, I feel like, even though that's unfair, I guess, but I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's unfair. You're still a you're still a kid, right? You're gonna do things to test the water. That's like you going up to the stove, see hot flames, you don't know they're hot. You're like, those are hot. They tell you they're hot, don't touch them. I tell my kid, go ahead, touch it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> You'll find out. Right? <laughs> You'll find out and then they'll tell you, why didn't you tell me not to touch it because it was hot? Yeah. If I would have told you, you would have done it anyway, right? So, um, and that's good. And I, and I, I, I listened to you in the first segment talk about the when you were in the seventh grade and eighth grade and and going through that and how your relationship was with your mom. But in those moments, you didn't think that she was doing the right things for you. But right now, as you reflect, as I talk about reflections at the top of the show you understood that those were the best things for you like right now right oh, yeah. have you sat down with your mom and, and talked to her and said anything to her about the past uh, things that you uh and you probably talked about this in in the family therapy i'm assuming am i well right? honestly I, I i thank her a lot all the time but she could have even went harder on me, which at the time I hated her. I didn't want to see her, I didn't talk to her, you know, or we would just blow up every time she would talk, you know, but she could have went harder too, you know, like bring it, I don't know, bring it on, I guess, but it was, she did a great job for me. And I know that I was very difficult and even, you know, with, um, all the help that I received, I fought it every step of the way. You know, my dad always says I like to go through the brick wall instead of around it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's hurt me, you know, with life decisions and, you know, consequences, but it's also made me the person that I am. So I'm grateful for both of them. And, and that's awesome. So how is your relationship right now with your dad? You know, being that he stepped away, um, not stepped away, but went off to work and during that uh, time, um, how did you rebuild that relationship? Where are you guys at now when it comes to your dad and the family and going through family therapy? He's currently in Michigan on the job, but um, <laughs> it was very hard growing up, I feel like for me, um, because even when he was home, I started to, you know, build up walls because it would really hurt me every time that he left. So I would just kind of, you know, not talk to him or not come home, you know, every time that he was home. So I missed out on a lot of great memories and opportunities to hang out with my dad. So I feel like I've kind of still trying to backpedal and like, you know, get to the point that we were at when we were a kid or when I was a kid, but we're getting there, you know. And that's He's awesome. Great. I think you, you, <laughs> you have a, you have a, and you have a lot of time. It's crazy because you said you missed him so much when he left, but when he came home, you didn't want to go home and didn't want to spend that time and, and see him. Um, yeah. But, you know, in the midst of all that, I think that you probably learned something. What was the, biggest thing that you've learned going through family therapy um, because I know we talked about the communication aspect of it so what did you take away from it what was your biggest learnings hmm. 
biggest learnings? Well, I hate how you put me on the spotlight. I'm just looking at myself. Well, well just so you know, everybody's going to be listening to you. I didn't see. I thought I actually thought that was your hair, just so you know. Uh, biggest learnings. That parents can be wrong, too, and they can really be hurt, and that they can learn and grow. Um, my mom, I feel like, has grown so much since, you know, we were fighting as kids. You know, we still have fights, big fights, but it, I feel like it's more healthy now. Um, but even though parents are older, they can be wrong. And as long as they understand that and work to rebuild it, then the re relationship can be reestablished and, you know, pack some glue in it, you know? Um, so instead of just um, resenting them and, you know, hating them, everyone makes mistakes, you know, you gotta forgive them. You are so right. That's such a great answer. That's a, no, that's a great answer. Okay. Um, so uh, my, my tease going into the break was, um, what was your self-destruction plan? So you felt entitled being in Orange County, California, and not Orange County, Florida people. Um, empowered, right? We're using these words. You didn't think you had a plan as a kid when you started the destructive aspect of it, you know, because you, you talk about the self-harm and the drugs and, you know, those type of things and then behavioral issues. Do you feel like you had a plan from the beginning or was it just something that was loosey-goosey? I'm just going at it and we're going to see what happens on the other side. I wanted to do the complete opposite that my mom wanted me to do. Hmm. So whatever she wanted me to do, I would say screw it and do the complete opposite. So I don't know if I had a plan, but I knew, or my plan was to screw her over, I feel like, and make her life harder. I'm but telling you, Macy, that <laughs> every time I do this show, I learned something. So I'm gonna go up the stairs once I get done with this show today, and I'm gonna look them in the eye and say, I need you to fail every class. <laughs> And starting today. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it might, it, it might work. I'm just saying. It, it <laughs> might work. It might work. It honestly um, works for me, though, to be honest. If someone tells me to do something, even now, it's very hard to just do it right away. You know, I like to do things on my own. You know, like with my boyfriend, he tells me to do, do the dishes. But I'm not doing the dishes. You know, I'm not. <laughs> rewind my but boyfriend you have a, do no rewind <laughs> I'm saying no I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm so that's sorry. what he I'm telling you Cody Cody <laughs> listen up and listen to me good just tell her leave the dishes in the sink all week long don't even touch them <laughs> I'm not going to do them either well, I mean at least you understand and you, uh, and you know what your imperfection is right everybody is perfectly imperfect right so yeah. at least you know that go away i'm still working on it you know yeah it's a work in progress i don't think that you ever walk out and i love scott and stevie and i love 417 recovery and everything you're doing but you're not going to walk out there and scott says it himself you're not going to walk out and just be fixed and perfect right you're going to always have something to continue to work on so for you understanding that and knowing that and knowing where your boundaries are, I think it's a step in the right direction. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? Um, cool. Uh, Macy, is there something that I missed that we need to talk about and get out there? Because if not, I'm going to ask you a question and, and I need you to finish this statement. Okay. Are you ready? Macy, I, I, gave you, I gave you 47 minutes worth of time to think about what I'm going to say to you right now. Okay. And if you didn't remember, then don't remember. <laughs> I mean, you're going to do the opposite right there. So, all right, here we go, Macy. Okay. I'm here because. Okay, question. I'm here as in on earth, like what is my mission to the earth or I am here on this video chat for? Yes. 
both? <laughs> both. Okay. Um, well, I feel like I was put on this earth to, you know, help other people. I want to be an elementary school teacher, so I want to sculpt young minds. And, you know, I want to work with Title I kids, which means um, underprivileged and at a disadvantage. So I want to be there and I want to help people. I want to, you know, chat, I don't know, help people. And um, I'm here on this video chat to bring awareness to people who feel like they're not normal, but also can't describe it. And um, I don't know if I did a good enough job on here, but you know, I was, I feel like labeled a lot of different things growing up. You know, I went to a lot of different psychiatrists saying that I'm bipolar or, you know, ODD, oppositional defiance order, et cetera, et cetera. And it's okay to just be different, you know, and you're still gonna wind up great in the end with a little help. Thank you. And I love that you use the word scope minds. So that, that that you made that answer just sixty times even better. Just just saying that. So, um, Macy, thank you for coming on the show. We really really appreciate it. I appreciate um, you responding to Scott and Scott being able to reach out to you and, and bring you onto the show. I can guarantee you that um, when you answered and finished that statement of "I am here because," both of the things that you talked about, whether it was on Earth or on this show. Uh, aligned, right? Because you, you want to help people, whether those are young people with small minds or other people that might uh, need some assistance. And I love that at the end of it, you said with help, right? Because everybody could use some help. So thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Scott, once again, thank you for allowing us um, the access um, to some of your alumni and, and your therapists. Um, on in your facility to be able to come on and, and help our, our youth. I think it's so important. Um, and then, Tony, thank you for just sitting back and being the hell quiet. And now, for you out there, thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen to my annoying voice. Please continue to join me again next time where my goal is to make you smile, make you cry, or make you laugh. But if neither of those things happen, my goal is to educate and encourage uh, my podcast will continue covering any and everything from adolescent um, education, high school sports, and all things around our, our adolescents. I will continue to interview educators, athletic directors, and great people like Macy that want to make a difference and impact your lives. My hope is to share my passion for education, high school extracurricular activities, and higher learning. We will continue to cover topics that will further our educators, build our community around education, and topics that may save a life or stop the bullying. Look, if you're out there and, and you're feeling alone, depressed, suicidal, or need some help or just need someone to talk to, please don't hesitate to pick up the phone and call any hotline or call our partners at 417 Recovery at 855 417 2417. You can find me on social media anywhere on Twitter at Mo underscore or, or on Instagram at Mo VHS Narrative. And make sure to subscribe and comment on any of our uh, podcast apps and platforms. I'm going to leave you with this. Take some time to do something nice for someone else. In turn, someone will do something nice for you. Stand up for those that may be weak and be a voice for change. Stay motivated. And I always say pun intended. And remember, when adversity comes, look it straight in the eye and say, I'm strong, I'm loved, and I will overcome you. I got to go. You have been watching and listening to Talk to Talk with Mo Orr. For Tony, Macy, Scott, and for you pops, Theron Lee Harris Sr., until next time, I'm out. Be the voice of change. Four Seventeen Recovery is located in Palm Desert and Mission Viejo in Southern California. We are a comprehensive, clinically-based intensive outpatient program for adolescents struggling with mental health and substance use issues. Today's adolescents are faced with pressure to succeed in ways that previous generations weren't. 
Social media, high expectations, and a world that feels scary and threatening contribute to our adolescents' mental health. Nearly one in three of all adolescents will experience an anxiety disorder before they are 18. Symptoms of an anxiety disorder may include restlessness or feeling on, on edge, trouble concentrating, difficulty relaxing, and falling asleep may be easily startled and manifest in physical ailments such as headaches and muscle aches, fatigue and upset stomach. Reach out today for more information about how we can help.